This has come to the table. Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. These studies are presented every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at our church at 3800 East Pershing Boulevard in Cheyenne, Wyoming. If you'd like to contribute to these studies, you can make a donation at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY dash giving. Proverbs chapter 4. Now, we're going to start right at the end of the chapter because I think that's where we actually left off last week. We concluded last week's teaching in the last paragraph of the chapter where he says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And he goes on and he says, Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established turn not to the right turn not to the right hand nor to the left remove thy foot from evil so there's an there's an overall admonition towards keeping ourselves focused on God guarding our hearts as well as our minds and keeping our eyes on the path ahead and regarding the path of our feet, watching where we walk, so to speak. Obviously not in the literal sense, although that's good to do as well, but in the spiritual sense. Keep thy heart with all diligence. And that really, I was hoping to get to that part earlier in last week's study, but it ended up being right about at the end, right at the end. And so I wanted to touch on that for just a moment before we jump into chapter 5. Watch your heart. This is wisdom right from the mouth of Solomon as moved upon by the Holy Spirit of God. Keep your heart with all diligence. And I think we shared why last week, but to, again, to review and to reinforce it. Why? Why should I have to keep my heart with all diligence? Because it's out of the heart that come all of the issues of life. And Jesus speaks of that sort of thing when he says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever noticed that people talk most about that which is most important to them. Where do you think love songs come from? Love songs are written for the same reasons. Because that's, that's like the highest ideal and the highest thought and aspiration in, in, in the average person's mind and the average person's thinking. That's why most secular music out there is uh, Ooh Baby This and Oh I Love You That. Or, and it's, well, it's far worse than that, actually. It's far more graphic than that now. But it's because... What's coming out of their mouth is what's coming out of their heart. And so that's dearest to them. That's what's closest and most important to them. And so that's what they're talking about. Proverbs chapter 4, right at the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 23, where Solomon says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. What's in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. And what's in your heart is what's going to come out in your life the most. Have you ever been around a football fan? I mean, a fanatical football fan. Like, that's what they live for. That's their hobby. That's their interest. If they could make a living off of knowing football stats and things like that, that's what they'd be. And it's like, that's all they could talk about. 
You'd ask them about the weather and they might, they might give you an answer about that and then they tie that into football somehow. Or you'd ask them about, uh, hey, how's your wife doing? How are your kids? How's the new job going? Oh, it's doing great. Boy, it's not as good as watching the game on Sunday though. If it's because that's what's in their heart. Their heart is full of football and so that's what's always coming out of their mouth. Now Solomon tells us in his wisdom, keep your heart with all diligence. And I think that the language that we used towards the end of last week's study on that was imagine your heart, if you will, imagine your heart, if you will, with guard towers around it and a, and a cinder block wall, a concrete wall with concertina wire across the top and barbed wire down at the bottom, guard dogs and machine gun nests. That's how you ought to keep your heart. That's how the Christian ought to keep their heart. Of course, not literally. Metaphorically speaking, spiritually, symbolically speaking, that's exactly how the Christian ought to keep their heart. Be careful what you allow in to your heart because there it will grow and it will win your affections and then it will come out in your speech and it will come out in your manner of life as well. And so if you love unclean things or if you love earthly things that they're not always the same okay there's a lot of things that are earthly that are not necessarily wrong or bad but you know if they're all that you care about or all that you ever think about well it kind of it kind of shows what your spiritual condition is it shows what's most important to you keep your heart with all diligence for out of it he says are the issues of life and he concludes, or he continues that paragraph and concludes it with admonitions to stay on the right path, watch where you're walking in the spiritual sense, be careful what you allow in your life and what you do. He says, put away from thee, in verse 24, put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. That ties right into guarding your heart because of what Jesus said, and we shared this last week. Jesus said that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let me ask this question really quick, just kind of, and I'm, I'm, I'm not being, uh, I'm not browbeating anyone with this, but it's something to think about. It's something to meditate on, and it's something to take and use to inform our life. What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of music do you listen to? Are you turning it over to Eminem or something like that? Are you pulling up some Beyonce? Pulling up something that moves the flesh? Pulling up something that fills the mind with, uh, well, I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again just because of how it applies. It was back in the late 1980s, maybe 1988, 1989. There was this, uh, excuse the expression, there was this chick band, all right, girl rock and rollers called Heart, all right? Some of you remember them. Some of you don't have a clue who they were just as well if you don't. They weren't all that great anyway, even if you're listening to center music. But there was a song that they played and it was on the radio. It was getting all kinds of airtime. I remember the title of it was All I Want to Do is Make Love to You. That was the title of it. And the reason I remember it so detailed wasn't because, uh, wasn't because of the quality of the lyrics, okay? But it was because it was listening to that song for about the 40 millionth time. That's an exaggeration for effect because it was on the radio all the time. It was hearing that in the car on the way home from school one day that I had my epiphany, if you will. Gesundheit, I know, epiphany. I had a revelation. I'm not saying that it was from the Lord, but it, 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 it clicked. The light came on in my mind. And I said in my heart, 
Don't they have anything else they can sing about? And that's when, that's when it hit me and I realized, because I grew up in the age of MTV when MTV was all about music. It's, you know, they didn't do much else other than music. It's like they've got nothing higher that they can possibly sing about but people shacking up and hooking up and having their one night stands. It's like, that's their ideal. How low a vision can you have? Guard, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. One reason why hookup culture and serial monogamy and fornication and all these other expressions that we use for, uh, um, for different kinds of sexual immorality, one reason why they are as popular as they are is because it's become mainstreamed and it is pumped out into our minds all of the time in popular media. Music, TV shows, movies, entertainment of all kind. Notice I'm not uh, condemning popular media wholesale talking about the content of it and what it is that they're promoting. So when we fill our heads and hearts with things that are ungodly, worldly, uh, natural to overmuch extent, when we fill our hearts with these things, then these are the things that are going to, in fact, fill our hearts and it's going to manifest in the way we think. It's going to manifest in what we listen to. It's going to manifest in how we speak. And it's going to manifest ultimately in the way that we live. Keep your heart, Christian. Doesn't mean never let anything in there. It means be careful what you let in there. We're not, we're not teaching or preaching that we should be hard-hearted and love nothing. He just says, keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence. He says in verse 25, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. In other words, keep your vision straight. Keep it on God. Keep your eyes, as the old uh, civil rights hymnal that they used to sing, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on God and on His kingdom. Keep your eyes on, on the goal, on pressing toward the mark. We preached recently on that. Pressing towards the mark of the calling of God, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Ponder, verse 26, ponder the path of thy feet and let thy ways be established. What does he mean by that? Watching where we're walking as far as our walk with God is concerned. Being mindful of the things that we allow ourselves to do and that we allow ourselves to communicate with other people. The actions that we allow in our lives. Ponder the path of thy feet. Don't just run amok throughout life blindly without any guide, direction, map, or anything else. The Word is the clearest map that there is for the way that you should live. That's not to say never read other books. It just means that this is the one you use as your guide. This is the one. This is the word of life. And Jesus' words are the word of life. And the whole word of God are the words of life. And Proverbs is filled with words of life. And we'll get to more of them here in just a moment. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. In other words, once you're on the straight way, don't ever step off it. And if somehow you do find, having pondered the path of your feet, if you find, find that you have strayed, even a little bit, what do you do? Do you panic? No. Do you quit and throw in the towel, give in, grab your bat and ball and go home and say, forget, I'm just going to be a sinner. No. If, having pondered the path of your feet, you find that you are off the straight way, you get right back on it as fast as you can. And no matter the cost. Because I guarantee you, there's nothing 
There is no cost so high as the cost of your soul. Amen? And Jesus asking that question, I think it was either to Nicodemus or to another, Jesus asking that question, what doth it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and then lose his own soul? What good all those millions? We were teaching earlier today in, in the, the, the daytime Bible study over at Whispering Chase about, about, um, about how you can't have two masters. You're either going to serve one and hate the other, you're going to love that one and you're going to despise the other. So you have to pick your master. So, well, I don't have any masters, I'm a free man. Nonsense. You serve somebody, you will. Somehow, some way, you will serve either God or the devil or yourself, which is tantamount to serving the devil, or the flesh, which is tantamount to serving the devil. Choose your master well. And then once you're on the straight way, once you're on the path of life, don't ever leave it. Don't ever leave it. Don't ever leave it. Guard your heart. Let's move on. Chapter 5. New stuff. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to mine understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. There's that D word again in there that we've come across already in our studies on wisdom. Discretion. What is that? Why does that keep coming up? Well, because a lot of practical wisdom has to do with things that we say as well as things that we do. And speech is just another version of action, okay? It's just it doesn't do much more than ride on airwaves, but it also impacts other people because they hear the words that we say. Well, what does discretion speak of? It speaks of being discreet, right? Discreet. Being wise with our words not just having cannon mouth as, as expression we've used before, opening up your, word, your mouth and then all your brains fall out. All your filters fail and you just say whatever comes to mind like, oh my goodness, you look horrible in that dress. Thanks for the brutal honesty. I feel so edified now. Discretion. Now that's one of the more basic uh, takes on the word, but it refers to far more than just that when to say a thing, or even if to say a thing, and how to say a thing, or how to do a thing. Have you ever met someone that's been brutally honest? I mean, painfully brutally honest. It's like, well, thanks for the honesty, but could you have at least cushioned it a little bit? Discretion. Speaks of other things too, subtlety, not... not not doing someone in a way that, that might cause them to stumble, even if you were in the right, even if you were technically in the right. You know, it's entirely possible to be so right that you're wrong. And if you don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just think about the last argument you had with your spouse. And yeah, you won the argument, but you lost something more important than the argument. And it took a lot more work to build that and put that back together. And it's like, but I was right! It's like, okay, well, enjoy your victory while you sleep on the couch, whichever one of you it was. Discretion. Discretion. And again, discretion speaks of far more than just those things, but just at a surface level, it talks about that. That thy lips may keep knowledge. Now, or verse 3, chapter 5, more rubber meets the road, practical wisdom from the mouth of Solomon by the Spirit of God. For the lips of a strange woman, <laughs> there we go, here we are again. For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, 
and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood. It's not talking about her backside. It's talking about the end of the path that she lives and walks. Okay, You're shocking my modesty, preacher. Don't worry about it. You'll get it back. Okay, He said, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. We'll talk about more of that here in a moment. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. Now let's, let's, let's stop right there for a second because, well, this sounds like it sounds like Sol- Solomon was a misogynist. No, not at all. He's not talking about all women. Not by a million miles. Not even close. He says, for the lips of a strange woman. And by strange, he means the lips of a stranger, someone you're not married to, or someone who is untrustworthy. So, ye men, listen up. The lips of a strange woman, an untrustworthy woman, a woman who you have to look at her feet to tell which way she's walking. And that's an expression meaning you can't tell by the way that they, by the way that they speak because their mouths say one thing, but their entire life is oriented towards something else. Or they're double-tongued or duplicitous or something like that. He said that such a woman, the lips of such a woman drop as a honeycomb. It means her words are sweet to your ears. Hi, you look nice. Where'd you get your hair cut? You know, there's a right way to court someone. There's a right way to pursue someone for lawful marriage. There's modest ways. You know, there's wise ways. And there's also reckless and destructive ways. Anyway, the lips of a strange woman, they drop as a honeycomb. Flattering words. Because frankly, and I don't know if you women know this or remember this or fully appreciate this, okay? Because you're women, not men. Just like there's things about women that men don't know and therefore don't understand and therefore are, are, are incapable of appreciating because they're men, they're not women, okay? So it's, it goes both ways. But the voice of a woman has a profound psychological effect on a man. Just the voice alone has a profound psychological effect on a man. It can be very powerful. It can also have no effect at all. It depends on the woman. It depends on the the tone of voice. You know, if it's a nagging voice getting on your case because you didn't take out the trash. Well, that has a profound psychological effect also. It's just a very negative one. And it makes the man want to run away and not be in the same room. Okay, but when their lips drop as in honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you remember the 1990s? How many of you remember the early 1980s? And really, I know we're using a lot of humor with this, but it's it's to teach a message. It's to teach it. It's so so to impart understanding. You remember those one nine hundred numbers? One nine hundred numbers. If you don't remember, good. Okay, predated other things that are around today that are far worse. One nine hundred, and you could talk to a woman and talk about things you ought not, in a tone you ought not. Strange woman. Strange woman. 
And this is, and while this is not di- uh, directly related to keeping your heart with all diligence, there is a connection there. There is a connection. He says, okay, so her, this, this type of person, lips drop as a, they drop as a honeycomb and mouth is smoother than oil, but her end, the end of her path, the end of her way, the end of her manner of life is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou should ponder the path of life. And this is the part I really want to get to in this part of the teaching. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. Once you've gotten all wrapped up with her, okay? It says, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Wow, what does that mean? I've thought a lot about that verse over the years. Her ways are movable. Have you ever known a capricious woman who changes her mind a dozen times on any given subject, shifts her point of view when you're trying to when you're trying to reason with her or talk with her about something, she shifts her position on it three or four times so that she can win an argument or convince you to follow the path that she's trying to convince you to follow. Again, we're not villainizing women. Don't misunderstand this. We're not talking about all women. We're talking about women of this particular kind of orientation, this particular kind of priority. Women who do not have a heart for God. Women who have no interest in the truth. Women who are trying to catch themselves a man by other than virtuous means. Does this make sense? Are we tracking on this? He's telling us as men whether single or married, because there are women that go after married men. Okay? Whether married or single, he's telling us, watch yourself. Guard your heart. To tie tie that back to this last chapter in, in, uh, or last paragraph in chapter 5. And he goes on to admonish his son here. You got to watch out for people like this. Because once you're in their grasp, they've got you. And it can be, while it's not impossible to get out of their grasp, okay, it can be exceedingly difficult to. It can be very painful. Now, not for everybody perhaps, but why why through incaution and recklessness, why even allow yourself to get snared into that trap? It's like, well, I want to know what true love is. Okay, well, first fall in love with God. And really build a relationship with Him. And then when the right person comes along, you'll know that they're the right person. Or at least you'll have a lot better idea that they're the right person. And may even be the person that God brings your way. But not to to turn this completely into a teaching on that. Guard your heart. Watch your steps. Be discreet. Value knowledge. This all ties into what he was saying at the very beginning of this chapter. Be careful who you let yourself fall for. And this is especially true. It's not exclusively true for teenagers, but it's especially true for teenagers and those perhaps in their early 20s. Because um, do you remember the intensity of your first crush? Anybody? If you remember back that far? I remember mine was back in seventh grade. I remember this girl. Her name was Amy. Oh. You know how it is. That's, that's the feeling that's inside you. Yeah, that first crush. It's like, 
It, it is very strong. And it goes for women as well. It happens in women's hearts. It happens in, in men's hearts. And this teaching, is, while it's directed towards Solomon's son here, it's applicable to all believers, man and woman. Okay? Women need to really learn how to guard their hearts as well because there are women that really have a streak for falling for the wrong kind of man. They're choosers of wrong men and there are men that are choosers of wrong women. So you've got to watch and be sober and be careful and guard your heart and be careful who you let yourself fall for. And if you feel I'm falling for so-and-so, well then back off and put some distance. Ought not to perhaps have been that close to begin with, but sometimes in working relationships and stuff like that, you just you come into proximity with people and if you're not careful, then you can find yourself in a bad situation. But... He says that her ways are movable. We were talking about crushes, you know. First crushes being very, very intense because it's part of the way that human beings are, wi are wired up. We're wired up for monogamy, first of all. We really are as a species. To have one partner and one partner only for the rest of our lives. And so when we first take a fancy to someone, and, you know, for men, it's almost always because of what they see. And for women, it's less that. It's more often either what they hear or know or imagine about the person. And looks are kind of secondary. They're not completely out the window, but they're, they're not always the, they're not always the first thing and the most important thing in the mind of a woman. Looks, physical appearance, that sort of thing. It doesn't mean that it's not important at all. But have you ever, have you ever seen a beautiful woman married to a guy that looked like a bridge troll? It happens. And, and you see that and you're like, how did that how did that work so well women are wired up differently than men men are wired up differently than women guard your heart let's move on he says that her ways are movable that thou canst not know them hear me now therefore o ye children depart not from the words of my mouth remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house and that's good advice for women too concerning a strange, which is to say an untrustworthy man. Okay, Lest thou, this is verse 9, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last. M-O-U-R-N. It means to mourn, like when someone dies, you mourn their loss. It speaks of sadness and of grief. He says, lest, and excuse me, verse 11, and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. What's the warning here? Guard your heart, be careful who, who and what you let in there and in what way you let in there because once you're in that trap, it's very hard to get out of it and most people don't. Most people never do. Until their years are consumed. He says, lest thou, lest thy honor. Let's go back to where he picked up in verse nine. Lest thou, lest thou give thine honor unto others. Your honor, your virtue. One of, now that doesn't just re refer to virginity, but virginity applies to that also. Watch yourself. If you're a virgin, you value that more than gold. Because you can only ever give that to one person in your life. So, oh, you're supposed to try it before you buy it, right? What? No! Don't you know that when a man lies with a woman, when a woman lies with a man, 
If there's a transcendental relationship that gets established and set up between those two people, I'm not trying to make it sound more spiritual than it is. It is a purely carnal act, but it is a highly emotional and psychological carnal act. It sets up a permanent connection between those two bodies and souls. Why do you think fornication is such a sin? Why do you think adultery is an even worse one? Guard your virtue. Guard your heart. Guard your virtue. Okay, well, I'm married to I'm married to my spouse now, but you know, we didn't wait until we were married. Is, you know, what about that? Well, there's nothing to be done about that. If it's in your past, again, leave it in your past. But let's talk now about your present. Guard, watch, value. TV, Hollywood, and all, and, and, and the, the, those songs that we were joking about earlier that I was you know, speaking of in, in, in kind of a humorous vein but with very serious message, you know, all of that stuff, they're all going to tell you the same thing. Hook up, hook up, hook up, hook up, live it up, get with somebody. You, don't you know you need that to be whole? You need that to be a man. Forget that absolute rubbish. What you need to be a man, first of all, is God, second of all, humility, and third of all, responsibility. Okay, sex is sex. You can take it or leave it. Now, God made it. We're not trying to make it sound like it's evil. But it has to be in the right context and in the right way. And the right context and the right way is one man, one woman married to each other for life. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Okay, and if, and, and if, if a believer has violated that sometime in their past, then leave it back there in that past. We don't live that life anymore. We do not live that life anymore. And so don't feel guilty about your past. Just don't go back to it. Don't live that again. That's something that we've turned our back on. That kind of lifestyle is something we've turned our back on. And we're, uh, we'll, have, we'll have, what did the apostles say? Concerning fornication and a few other things. It wasn't just that, but concerning that, he said, let it not, he was writing it to a church. He said, let it not be once named among you. Watch yourself. She's so beautiful though. Only on the outside. You don't know what's going on on the inside. And there are a lot of women out there that are drop-dead, gorgeous, absolute knockouts on the outside. But on the inside, they are as ugly as a ruptured septic tank. And if you don't believe me, listen to the way they talk. And listen and, and watch the way that they live. Okay? Watch your heart. Guard your heart. Watch your steps. Guard your steps. Let's move on. So he says, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, with your wealth, and your labors be in the house of a stranger, and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed at the end of the road, when you've lived your life or your best years have been spent and they've been spent in the wrong way, doing the wrong thing and held captive by the wrong person. Let's move on. And you say in verse 12, well, you have to read this kind of all together. So lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. What is this? All the way through the end of verse 13. What is these last few verses here? This is the lamentation of a life 
poorly lived. And no, that ties into so many things. You've heard the expression how youth is wasted on the young and, and, and all these other things. And that's, it, that's spoken tongue in cheek and all of that. But what's he telling us here? If we go down the wrong road, if we don't guard our heart and we don't watch our steps and we don't, uh, it, we don't value wisdom and knowledge and instruction and all these things from God and from the Word of God and, and from they who are uh, our elders in the Lord, so to speak, if we don't, if we go the wrong way, this is going to be our end. And we'll be one of those people that find ourselves at the end of our road. And whether young or old, I'm telling you, the day's coming. We know that. You're five, this is a profound statement, I know, but you're five years older today than you were five years ago, right? So whether you're a young man, young woman, old man, old woman, or one of the many degrees in between, well, time only moves one way. We're all getting to this age that he's talking about. If we take the word of the Lord to heart, if we take good counsel to heart, if we take it all and appropriate it and live it accordingly, then when we get to this age, we're not going to mourn at the last. We'll be rejoicing. We'll be one of those, we'll be one of those happy old people over at Whispering Chase or up at Primrose or, or hopefully still you know, able to live in our own homes or whatever. We'll be one of those happy old people that's always harassing everybody else, but in a good-natured way. We'll be one of those that's looking forward to uh, the day when we actually flatline and then we open our eyes and behold our Father in glory. And we hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We'll be one of those. We won't be bitter Old people filled with regrets because we spent our life the wrong way. Wisdom. It's here for us. It was preserved for us. Let's conclude it for the night. He says in verse 14, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. And that's actually the end. That's, that's the conclusion of the paragraph itself and to be taken with the rest of these verses altogether. He warns us, don't go down the wrong road. This is the right way. Walk ye in it. Guard your heart, your mind, your thoughts. Guard your flesh. Guard your virtue. Guard your integrity. Guard your reputation. It's very hard if not impossible, to get one of those back once it's been wrecked. In coming to God and in receiving Christ and in being in Christ and Christ in us and all of that and being believers, we had that virtue or we had our reputations kind of reset, didn't we? Right? That was our chance to hit the reset button. Blood of Christ washed across our life, our heart and our mind made us new. Okay, well now that we've had that reset button, Let's guard what we have in Him. Let's guard what we have in Him. Walk in wisdom, integrity, etc. Thank you for listening to Come to the Table, Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. Included in these presentations are red-letter studies on the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, historical studies on the Old Testament, topical studies on biblical doctrines, and practical studies on Christian life. If you enjoyed this presentation, you can support our efforts by contributing at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY dash giving.